Well, if you have a Bible, it is my honor and privilege to invite you to point that Bible to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, which you can find in the New Testament. Luke chapter 5, we will pick up where we left off last week, Luke chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, please just grab one from the pew in front of you. Grab one of the black ones, and if you um, are not super familiar with, with how the Bible works, you'll find Luke on page 861 of the church Bible. The chapter numbers are the big numbers, the verse numbers are the little numbers, and we'll be reading from verse 12 down to 16, right under the heading, Jesus cleanses a leper. I'm going to read the passage and ask for the Lord's help on our time together, and then we'll get to work, working our way verse by verse through this passage as is our custom. This is the most important part of our week. God the Father will speak to His people through His Word. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And so we shall. Father, I ask that you would be with us here and that you would give us ears that we would hear what your Spirit is saying to us today. Give us eyes to see the glories of Jesus in this text and the ability by the power of your Holy Spirit to apply its truth to our lives in order that we would be transformed to be more like your Son, to bring glory and praise to your name. Amen. One historian called them dead men walking. It is difficult for us to imagine the plight of the leper in ancient history. The word leper in the Hebrew is derived from a word which means to strike down, to scourge, and that well describes their existence. This is Leviticus chapter 13 concerning the leper. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, and let the hair on his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Leprosy in the Bible refers to a number of very old, 
chronic skin diseases, many of which were infectious, many of them were fatal. A spot, a swelling would appear on the skin, causing depigmentation of the skin and nerve damage. The skin would thicken, causing a a lion-like facial appearance. And as the disease would worsen, extensive nerve damage would cause a loss of sensation of a person's extremities. And they may experience paralysis of a hand or of a leg or part of their face. The loss of sensation would be so severe that serious injury would occur without the afflicted person even knowing. And oftentimes these injuries were self-inflicted. The leper felt nothing. His nerves were dead. There was no sensation of pain, and so he would burn himself or cut himself and lose fingers and toes. His physical body was dead on the outside. And the disfigurement of his body and the smell of rotting flesh would make him repulsive to others. These were men, women, children who were dying inch by inch. Socially, they were outcasts. Because the disease was often contagious, lepers were banished from the cities. They lived in colonies with other lepers. Parents forced to part with their children, spouses from one another. Family members, loved ones, and the merciful would often leave food in designated places so the lepers could come and eat. Under Jewish law, they were made to wear torn clothes and to keep their hair unkempt as a way of identifying themselves to others. They were made to walk around crying out, unclean! unclean, so that everyone knew to avoid them. It sounds harsh, and it is. But you have to understand that children especially were susceptible to infection of this disease, and without a cure, they needed a way to keep this disease from spreading to the entire community. Leprosy was often viewed as a curse from God for some sin the afflicted person had committed. And while that's not usually the case, that reality only contributed to the stigma that was attached to leprosy. Their bodies disfigured, their social relationships destroyed, their leprous life was a profoundly sad life. But that was not the end of their sorrow. The leper was also banned from the temple. Leprosy disconnected a person from the worship of God. Because they were unclean, they were not permitted on the temple grounds. And thus, they were prevented from making sacrifice to atone for their sins. Unable to give offerings to God or to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They were dying physically and relationally and spiritually. This is the plight of the leper. And so we come to verse 12, where we read, And while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. 
And he saw Jesus and fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Luke tells us that, Luke, that Jesus is in one of the cities in Galilee, one of the cities. Now, Luke's first century audience would have certainly noticed the phrase, there came a man full of leprosy. He's a leper and he's in the city. He's not supposed to be in the city. He's endangering the whole town. Can you imagine the desperation of this man breaking all the rules of social engagement just to get near the Lord Jesus? In my research this week, I learned of some people who would supposedly carry rocks around in their pockets just so that if they came across a leper, they would have something to throw at them and drive them away. Can you imagine what this man endured just to get near to Jesus? Everywhere he walked, drawing attention to his condition, telling everyone, I'm not supposed to be here, unclean, unclean. And his fingers may not have worked so well, but we know that his eyes and his ears did. What does it do to a person that when they come near, a mother shields her children from him, turns her face away from him. I don't know how long this man had to walk to get to Jesus, but I cannot imagine the difficulty. How dehumanizing. But on the other hand, what did he have to lose? He knew his condition. Luke's a doctor, and Luke says he is full of leprosy. This is advanced stage leprosy. He knew he was going to die. What is there to lose? And so he sees Jesus, and he falls at his feet, and he begs, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He's pleading with Jesus, if you will, you can. He acknowledges Jesus' ability, but he just isn't so sure about Jesus' willingness. I know you can, I just don't know if you want to. For a man in his condition, it would have been much easier to accept God's power than God's love. I know you can heal disease. I just don't know if you want to heal mine. And what does Jesus do? Well, verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. There are a few phrases in the English language more filled with God's grace than these. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. The leper's disease made him repellent to others. He was loathsome, revolting, dangerous even, barely human. 
to the one from whom people turned their face, the Lord stretched out His hand and touched Him. How long do you suppose it had been since that man had felt the touch of another human being? He'd spent his life making sure that people did not touch him. And here was a man reaching out to touch him. Luke chooses a word here, touch, that tells us that Jesus didn't just sort of put his finger on the man. The word means that Jesus laid hold of the man with enough exertion to be able to move him around. Jesus grabbed him. If the nerves on the surface of his skin were dead, you wonder if Jesus just wanted the man to feel his touch, and so he grabbed him hard enough that he would feel it deep in his bones. Our Lord's leperless skin was pressed against the white, scaly, dead skin of this dying man. The one who was perfectly clean stretched out his hand and touched the one who was completely unclean. Jesus touched what no one else dared touch. And you know, he didn't have to. Later, when we get to chapter 7, Jesus heals the centurion's servant with a word. But not this man. Jesus decided to touch him. He was not repulsed like so many others. He did not draw back. No, you see, when everyone else draws back, Jesus draws near. And church, you must know this about your Savior. He knows you better than anyone. He knows things about you no one else knows. Unmentionable things in your past that you just don't talk about. Ugliness in dusty spaces in the attic. And listen to me. He is not for one moment repulsed by you. He knows it, and he doesn't have to ignore it to love you. When everyone else, including yourself, would move away from it, Jesus' love for you drives him toward it. And he puts his hand on that scaly, dead skin in your past to forgive it and to heal it. The leper's affliction appeared on the outside of his body where everyone could see it. Couldn't be hidden. But for many of us, our disease is kept safely tucked away in unmarked boxes in the back of closets. 
in carefully concealed financial statements, in the cleared history on our web browsers, in mislabeled pill bottles, in apps on our phones, and the Lord knows everyone. Nothing is hidden from His view. And dear Christian, you don't need to hide. Like this unnamed leper, you can risk it. You can risk the glances. You can risk the misunderstanding. You can bring that thing to Jesus and bring it out into the light. And you can say with the leper, Lord, if you will, make me clean. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of carrying it around. I'm tired of ignoring like it's not there. And you will find, as this man found, that our Lord is more willing to clean you than you were willing to ask Him to clean you. And Jesus will do for you as He has done for this man. He'll fix your theology, and then He'll fix the rest. If you will, I will. The verb, I will, appears in the present tense. It is a present tense, I will. Church, don't rewrite your Bible. Some of you are going to be tempted to read, I will, and change the tense to past tense. I was, until you blew it again. I was willing, but then you broke your promise again. Don't you do that. It is present tense. Some of you are going to be tempted to read this and put it in the future tense. I will, when you prove to me that you're really sorry, I will, when you show me how devoted to me you are, I will keep it. In the present, I will. You see, Christian, your sufferings and your afflictions, however serious, however long sustained, are no statement on your Savior's lack of love for you. Whatever it is you're carrying, you can hand it over to Him today. This man's disease yielded to no human treatment, but the moment his Lord said, I will, it fled his body, and he was clean, and he was clean. Now, we should probably take a minute or two and explain this word clean, because you might be wondering, why did the leper ask him? If you will, make me clean. Why not healed? Why clean, not healed? So why did the leper have to walk around saying, unclean, unclean? In the Bible, the word unclean and, and clean, they, they meant more than just the f free from dirt or disease. In the Old Testament, 
There was a physical element to it. There was a spiritual element to it. And didn't mostly have to do with sin either. Mostly it was a designation of a ceremonial cleanliness or uncleanliness. Clean and unclean had to do with worship in God's temple. And so there were certain animals that were permitted to be sacrificed to God in the sacrificial system, certain animals that were clean, certain animals that were not clean. There were certain foods that were considered clean and unclean. And contact with unclean things made the person unclean. And there were rituals and there were rules for making the unclean clean. And this happened often in a believer's life. And sometimes uncleanliness happened because of a person's sin. But more often, it happened when a person came into contact with the effects of sin. So let me explain just for a second. God is holy, and anything unholy, anything stained by sin, cannot stand in His presence. And for God's own chosen people to live with God in their midst... They needed to know what was the right way to live and the wrong way to live. They needed to know how to approach Him the right way. And so He gave them cleanliness and uncleanliness laws in order to prepare them, to protect them for when they approach Him in worship. For His own glory and for His people's good, God has determined how He is to be worshipped. And these were some of the laws that pertain to the worship of God. Anything directly attached to the effects of sin and death were determined to be unclean, meaning unfit for worship in God's presence. Death is a result of sin, and so a lot of things that were connected to death were considered unclean. A dead body was considered unclean, and contact with a dead body made a person unclean. Mold in a person's house made the house unclean, and the people living in the house unclean until the house was cleaned. A woman was unclean during the time of her menstruation. So it didn't have to do with sin directly, but the effects of sin on people and on the world. And very often, the association of those things with, with death. And the leper is dying, and so his or her death is all over them. And so he or she cries out, unclean, unclean, as a warning to others, because if they come into contact with the leper, they themselves would become unclean. They would have to go through a whole ceremony in order to be made clean and, and able to worship God. And so all of this makes what Jesus does for this leper even more amazing. He stretches out his hand, touches the man, and Jesus' touch makes the leper clean. Something unprecedented happens in verse 13. God touched what is unclean, and rather than destroying it, He restores it. Rather than taking the leper's life, Jesus gives the leper life, makes him clean. I hope that you're starting to see what this means. 
That when the Lord touches this leper, he heals his leprosy. His leprosy leaves immediately. His dead skin is made new and supple again. He has new fingers and new toes. His hands are able to grip again. He's able to feel again. You wonder, did he have a family? Could he run home and grab hold of his kids and kiss his wife? He's healed. And he is clean. The thing that made him an outcast and banned him from worship of God leaves him immediately. So that's what makes verse 14 make sense. Jesus tells him, don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest, make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is that whole process of becoming clean that I just mentioned. In the law of Moses, there was a process for restoring a leper to worship of God, receiving that leper back into the community of faith. You can read about this in Leviticus chapter 14 this afternoon if you'd like. If leprosy seemed to leave the body, the leper would go to a priest, and the priest would examine his body. And if the leprosy seemed to be gone, a ceremony would take place to prepare this man to re-enter society and to re-enter worship of God in the temple. So what they would do is they'd take two birds and some cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop, which is a plant. One of the birds would be killed and his blood would be poured into a bowl with some water and put the cedar and the yarn and the hyssop inside of this bowl. And the live bird would be dipped in the bowl, and the blood water mixture would be sprinkled on the man. The priest would then declare the man clean and set the living bird free in an open field, symbolizing the man who had been cleansed and set free from this disease. Then the man would shave his head and his beard, and after seven days, if the disease did not return, he would make offerings for himself. A sacrificial lamb would die. And the blood would be poured out before the Lord, and some of that blood would be applied to the lobe of his right ear and the right thumb and the right big toe, which is the very same thing that was done for a priest entering into the priesthood. All of it symbolizing this man had been consecrated to the Lord, to hearing God's Word, to doing what God commands, to following God's ways. And after the ceremony was over, the man was clean, and he returned home, new, and in the service of the Almighty. And to this unnamed leper in Luke 5, Jesus says, go do that. Show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a proof to them. You see what Jesus is doing for this man? Not only is Jesus concerned with this man's healing from this fatal disease, the Lord is restoring His worship of God and His relationship to His community. It's a remarkable miracle. It was one that met the first century expectation of what Messiah would come and do. And so when Jesus does this miracle for this man, the word about Him spreads like wildfire even more. We read this in verses 15 and 16. But now even more the report went about, out about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. 
but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Just as Jesus' popularity is soaring, as the iron is at its hottest, as they say, he retires to pray. We'll have plenty of opportunities in this series to talk about Jesus' prayer life. We'll save that for another time. But there is a reason, a very important reason, why this story is here in Luke's gospel. The fact is, this story appears in Matthew's gospel and in Mark's gospel as well. There is something significant about Jesus healing this leper that we need to know. The leper who is unnamed in Luke chapter 5 is us. He is us. In our day, leprosy was cured with antibiotics. But each person here suffers a spiritual disease that is no less dehumanizing or isolating or lethal. And it cannot be cured with any medicine of any kind. The leper in Luke chapter 5 stands for every man. For all of us are spiritual lepers in God's sight. Just for a moment, consider the similarities of leprosy and sin. Like leprosy, sin affects our physical bodies. Like leprosy, sin affects our relationships with others. And like leprosy, sin affects our worship of God. Leprosy starts small, and it spreads. And as it does, it destroys nerve endings, which God designed to enable us to sense danger, to feel pleasure, to feel pain. Sin starts small and spreads. And as it does, it sears the conscience. And God-given mechanisms to warn us from danger prevents us from enjoying the pleasures of God. Leprosy destroys the body, disfigures the man. Body parts fail. The afflicted suffer injury, often unknowingly self-inflicted injury. Well, sin does the same thing. Our bodies, which were made to glorify God, become distorted and they destroy themselves. You can see this in society all around us. Picture the drunkard whose body is shutting down. Picture the anxious person who cannot sleep and whose immune system is compromised. The addict who can't control her cravings. How many of our injuries are simply self-inflicted? Leprosy removed a person from society. They became an outcast, removed from family and friends. How often have you seen sin do the very same thing? Destroy marriages, friendships, families, even churches. Leprosy is contagious. Is sin any less contagious? Often when we are sinned against, we just sin right back, don't we? 
with a harsh word or a cold shoulder or we don't believe that God will be just when I've suffered an infliction and therefore I retaliate. We gossip and in so doing, we make gossips. Sin is contagious. In the same way that leprosy stripped a man of his humanness, sin strips us of our humanity. And we become a shell of the person God made us to be. God made us with feelings of compassion, sympathy, empathy, which are replaced with indifference, gentleness with cruelty. Leprosy removes a person from the worship of God, and tragically, sin does the very same thing. Unless sin is dealt with, sin removes us from fellowship with our Creator. It affects our bodies, our relationships, and our worship. Interestingly, if you trace this out in Genesis chapter 3, at the very beginning of the Bible, after sin entered the world as the first man and the first woman disobeyed God, you see the very same effects. You see the effect of sin in death in their bodies, in difficulties in their relationship, and through distance from God. There are differences, though. There are differences between leprosy and sin. One of them is a very big one. The leper knows he is leprous. How could he not? His leprosy cannot be hidden. Whereas the sinner is often self-denying. It's not pride, he'll say. It's just strong conviction. It's not gossip. It's just sharing a concern. It's not anger. It's just passion. It's not obscene talk. It's just strong language. It's not stealing. It's just taking advantage of a loophole. But you see, the leper has the advantage of his affliction remaining on the surface for all to see. So whether you're a Christian or a skeptic or you've just come here with questions, you would do well to give due attention to the leper in Luke 5, for he is us. For each person here has been afflicted with a disease that has affected our bodies and our relationships, and our worship. And just like with this leper, there is only one person to whom we must turn. Each one of us must fall on our face before the Lord Jesus and say with this leper, make me clean. And Jesus will do for you what he did for the leper. He will stretch out his hand and touch what is untouchable. He will make the unclean clean. The leper's healing of his body and of his soul came because Jesus stretched out his hands in another way on the cross. He gave his body to suffer the final effects of the leper's disease, the effect of death. And by Jesus' embrace, our leprosy, our sin, leaps from us and latches onto Him. 
He carries our uncleanness to the cross. And in His flesh, He dies and is laid in the grave. But death could not hold Him. And God raised Him from the dead three days later, for He was without sin. He was raised to life, and death itself left in the grave. If you've never confessed your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, do it today. Don't leave this place still in your sins. Do as the leper. Fall at the feet of Jesus and call out to him, make me clean. And he'll do that. If you know someone here, tell them about it. But if you don't know anyone in this room, I'll be standing by those double doors on the, on, in the back as you leave. Talk to me. I'd love to, you, to help you get started in this new life of being clean. What Jesus did for the leper is what he does for all who turn to him in faith. Remember, the leper received a new body. He receives a new community. He receives a new relationship with God. And when we turn from our sin, he does the same thing for us. He forgives us our sins. He cleanses us from our unrighteousness, and he grants us his own righteousness, and thereby restores our relationship to God. Then having been made right with God, we enter the community of faith. We're no longer ostracized and removed. We're joined to His people, to His church. And because of our shared union with Christ, we enjoy right relationship with one another. Able to be the people He's created us to be, to serve and to love and to enjoy fellowship within the body of Christ. He restores our worship with God. He restores our relationship to others. And then finally, one day, when the Lord returns, He will grant us new bodies, clean bodies, bodies unstained with sin and the effects, the harvest of which these bodies are merely a seed, glorified bodies, as the Bible calls them, of His choosing, which we are meant to have and will have forever. This is the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 speaking of these new bodies. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. We shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Who's looking forward to that day? No more sickness. No more disease, no more broken relationships, no more struggles to worship God. Our bodies perfectly in tune, perfectly as He created them to be. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Let's pray.
Father, make us clean. We come to you like the leper and we place ourselves at your feet. We acknowledge our affliction and our sin and our spiritual leprosy. And we admit to you, Lord, it is killing us. We thank you for revealing our sickness to us. And we ask that you would forgive us of our sin. Will you forgive us of our pride? Trying to hide things from you that you wish to forgive and heal. Will you forgive us for our lying? For convincing ourselves that we're better off than we actually are? Will you forgive our misplaced anger? Our misdirected frustrations? And we ask you this because... Not because we deserve it, but solely on the basis of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. His death in our place is our only hope for mercy. Lord, heal us and cleanse us and restore us to right relationship with you and with one another. And send us from this place renewed in our faith, reassured of your love ready to spend ourselves sharing the good news of your grace to everyone we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand to your feet. The Bible gives us an assurance of pardon. If you are trusting in the Lord for the forgiveness of your sins, we find an assurance of God's forgiveness in Psalm 103, verses 2 to 3, which Michael read earlier. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases.